You are listening to the Extreme Nazarene Podcast, where you hear from real-life missionaries on the field and how they are changing the world. This is the October Podcast episode, and I'm your host, Trevor Allen. I have here with me my co-host, Nate Roskam. Greetings. Kaylin Wheatley. Hello, friends. And we have our producer, Abby Wisdom. Hey, guys. We're excited to uh, have you guys listening here with us. Welcome back to the Extreme Nazarene podcast. Uh, We had a bit of a hiatus, but we're back. And you might have noticed that there's somebody different sounding on our podcast. And they have a different name. (laughs) (laughs) Is there something wrong with my voice? (laughs) That I sound different? (laughs) You just sound different than a a past (laughs) host that we've had. Yes, yes, you sound different than Carrie. So we have here Kaylin Wheatley. And on our last podcast, uh, she came on, uh, on the show in a recording. And we heard her. Uh, and say, all my background noise from yeah, the street oh, in Chile. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And she was saying that she was going to be on the next podcast. And here she is. But last time I said that she wasn't going to be here in person. In fact, I even said, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you on Skype, but we won't actually see you because you won't be here. <laughs> but you are here. It here. is the next time. I'm in our special recording studio in Boise. It's mm-hmm. great. It's so special. It's so special. <laughs> it, it might be the place where I eat lunch most days and where we pray every Tuesday morning. Yeah, it's a really special place. <laughs> if you guys saw it, you would know how special it is. It has stringed lights. That's true. Icicle string lights They're even. Whoa. <laughs> they're blue. They're blue. Or yes. purple. I can't tell the difference. I think they're supposed to be white. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you you are colorblind, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually true. Nate is colorblind. That's but I don't true. know if that's giving away personal information. No, I, I do not mind sharing. In oh, fact, sorry. it's typically something that comes out early. When I introduce myself to other people. Yeah. In fact, Hi, I'm Nate. First, yeah, I'm it was colorful. the first thing my mom... <laughs> it was one of the first things my mom uh, introduced about me to my now wife, Melissa. When she, when she what? Came, when she came to my house for the first time. My, my mom pulled out the colorblind test book. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that was awesome. <laughs> that was so yeah. funny. Anyway. Here's my son, Nate. He's weird. He can't see color. <laughs> you see this? You actually see. He he doesn't see a five. You see a five. I know. He sees and nothing. And then, what? What? That's you so can't crazy. see that? What color is it's my right shirt? <laughs> so, Trevor, you can start introducing yourself. Hi, I'm Trevor. I'm nearsighted. And I'll go with, hi, I'm Kaylin. I have an astigmatism in both eyes. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway. Well, okay, so how long have you been with Extreme? I've been with Extreme for about six and a half years. Since 2010, I started out as a 40-40 back in the olden days um, in Peru. I worked with a Peruvian partner, and our goal was to plant three churches in 18 months. That's doable. It's, uh, we plant, we, I remember distinctly telling our CEO, Brian Tibbs, actually, we think we can plant five churches, Brian. That didn't happen, by the way, but that was our optimism back then. Yeah. And um, after that, I continued uh, working in mobilization with finding South American missionaries and sending them. And I've been doing that for four-ish years and my husband Michael and I just moved back to the states a couple months ago and are now working here in Boise for the time being with this guy Nate Roskam. Boom. He's our boss. He says boom a lot. Boom. <laughs> boom. You should have seen how serious his face was when he said it. Ew. Oh man that's the dream team yeah. right here. Well we Boise. were so excited when we found out that you were coming to Boise. I was very stoked. Kaylin and I actually used to work together um, in Ecuador for about a year. We worked together um, in Quito in what we called the pit, Uh, (laughs) which was, um, it was the work and witness center in Quito, Ecuador. And, uh, but it was just, it was at the bottom of the hill. It was just 
um, like a little a little America <laughs> in Quito, Ecuador. It was pretty cool, and we had two dogs there we got to play with. But we traveled across to Ecuador together and um, made dinner together, and it was fun. Yeah, Trevor actually was a 40-40 in Peru as mm-hmm. well, so yeah, he had the same goals that I did, and we <laughs> commiserated mm-hmm. about... It was really hard to be a 40-40, yeah. and we talked about that a lot and had a lot of similar experiences, so totally. it's awesome to reconnect in Boise. Totally, absolutely. So again, on the last, on the last episode, recapping... Um, we found out that Abby was getting her wisdom teeth taken out. Um, so let's get an update. From... <laughs> Do you I still don't... have wisdom teeth? Well, yes. My last name is Wisdom, so technically all of my teeth oh, are Wisdom teeth. Oh, that's true. <laughs> you should probably just drop the mic and get out of here. Just be done for the day, Abby. That was very well played. Um, I did get... What's it called? Dry socket. Dry socket. Oh, yes, yes she so did. So I had a lot of food stuck in my gums for several <laughs> weeks. It was pretty disgusting. Do you know why people get dry socket? No. Because they stick their tongue Do you know back why? there. There's a couple reasons. Oh, no. One is from using a straw. Didn't do oh. it. <laughs> One is from drinking beer. <laughs> Abigail <laughs> Marie Wisdom. <laughs> Those are the only options? No, I'm sure there's others. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't. You already told but us you didn't say, use a straw. We've now say, narrowed it down. <laughs> they say that is super painful. It was. I did not have that. It, mm-hmm. I got lucky. Although I did. You want to hear my wisdom teeth story? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had only three. So that was good. Uh-huh. But one of them was impacted. So they had to like crush mm-hmm. it out. Oh, crush it. And they were putting me on the gas because they didn't knock me out. I was just on the gas. And I... It felt like I was on the gas for a long time. Like, he left and forgot about me. So, like, I got a side ache, and it was, it was just weird. Oh. So he comes back to start, and you're not together. Like, you're like, everything's slow. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm going to throw up. And sure enough, and all I could do was roll my head. And this is, like, my favorite moment, because I don't like the dentist very much. But I puked all over the dentist. And he, I remember vividly, I'm like, and I couldn't, I honestly couldn't, I couldn't even tell him what was happening. Yeah. Like, just my head over. <laughs> I can still see as clear as day him scrambling for the garbage can on his little circle chair, like. <laughs> so I, just, I feel really good about that. I was just like payback for all the bad yeah. dentist chair experience. So Abby, you're well now. No yes. more, no more dry sockets. No more dry sockets. That's good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, awesome. <laughs> well, we're gonna continue on to our next segment. Um, that we have called Vistazos, which for those of you who don't speak Spanish and need a reminder, that means glimpse in English. So this is the part of the show where we talk about things that either have to do directly with our mission work, um, people on the mission field with Extreme Nazarene, or it may have to do with news that is coming out of those areas. So... um, Kaylin, would you like to start us out on the Vistasos? Sure. Today, I would like to share about a new company called Obrero Missional Coffee. Obrero, uh, the word is another Spanish word that means worker. And so it's coffee that goes to support the workers. It's actually founded by myself and my husband. But I wanted to share about it because... What we have is coffee that goes for the cause of sending and supporting missionaries. And something we saw as a need is a way to fundraise for South Americans that connects them with people. And so we have a line of coffee that is, for example, for Camila, who is our friend um, who works on the Antofagasta team, which we're going to be talking about later in the show. And Camila is a Brazilian missionary working in Chile, and because of the economic crisis in Brazil, Camila doesn't have the finances she needs to stay on the field. The church promised um, to support her, but the church is going through really tough times economically, Mm -hmm. and so she reached out to us, and we decided to uh, have our friend in Monroe, Washington, roast a line of beans for Camila and um, 
the proceeds from selling those coffee beans goes to support Camila on the field. And so you wake up and when you're making your coffee, remember to pray for missions. You know, in, in the coffee world, some people will say things like the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. But I would say, and I think Abrero coffee, missional coffee would too, the best part of waking up is a missionary in your cup. Yes. <laughs> and while it won't be a missionary per se, mm. it will be a blend named after a missionary. So I love that. We probably would get sued for that. The best part of waking up is a missionary in your cup. <laughs> That was a little farther than I thought we should go. But but Trevor, that is good. That was a great effort, I think we'll say. Why didn't you jump in on Harmony there? Yeah. You guys should do it again. Come on. Oh. We oh. Ooh, I got real nervous. <laughs> Come on. You ready? The best part of waking up is a missionary in your cup. Wow, guys. Yeah. That was so great. That was free. So that. touching. That was free. Oh, I'll borrow that. Yeah. You send that to me, Trevor. Well, no, I'll if insert you need, it. If you need some Jingle Boys, yeah. we'll, we'll write it, record <gasps> it. <laughs> jingle Boys! <laughs> jingle Boys, Jingle Boys. Oh, man. Oh, my word. Um, but yeah, so, so this coffee, I think it's a great idea. I was really excited when you were telling me about it the first time. Um, yeah, I just think it's such a cool way to um, support the missionaries where like I know that there are a lot of listeners like there have got to be a lot of listeners listening right now that drink coffee right um, who doesn't who who doesn't drink coffee <laughs> or who doesn't know someone who drinks coffee or who right. doesn't that they could buy it for yes. you know yes totally it's good and I'll add Trevor as mm-hmm. the development guy I mean fundraising for our South American missionaries and the people obviously we have missionaries from other countries that go finding creative, innovative ways that also match our philosophy of sustainability right. uh, and helping, you know, when we plant a church, it's a two-year investment commitment from churches and donors in the U.S. And then we raise up a, a church that's self-supporting. And I think that's a huge part of our model. Mm-hmm. And so finding ways, you know, for missionaries from countries that are having financial crisis or the economy is totally different. When we look at places like Venezuela, I mean, it's just... There is no option for what we do in terms of missionaries raising their own support. Mm-hmm. So these kind of innovative, creative ways of doing things are really helpful. Yeah, especially for the South Americans because they really don't have the resources that, that we do. Um, <clears throat> um, and that's one of the exciting things I think about Extreme is that we are not just going in like the sustainability. I think that's super exciting that we're going in and not just saying where the North Americans here to take Right. Role, rather, like we want to help you and empower you to um, to become a part of this this ministry that for so long um, people have looked to countries like the U.S. Um, to send missionaries. Absolutely, and we do have all of our South American missionaries raise their own support. But what happens that we see Obrero as an answer to is that people will start out strong giving every month and they'll remember, yes, I made a commitment, I'm praying for you, I'm giving to you. Mm-hmm. But after months or a year goes by, they just it becomes very easy to forget about that commitment. Mm-hmm. And so this is not to replace the fundraising they're already doing, but rather to supplement and partner with them because we care about them and want them to be able to stay on the field. And sometimes finances can become a barrier to that. And so this is just a way to to supplement and say, yes, we're still here for you. We still want to offer a creative solution. But your church, your country is still partnering with you in this ministry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is, totally. Um, Well, if, uh, if you, our listeners, are interested in partnering in this way, and getting your coffee fix for an amazing cause. Um, the coffee is called Obrero Coffee. Um, if you're an American, you might say Obrero Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can go to uh, www.extremenazarene.org podcast and click on this episode, episode three. And there you'll find more information on how you can buy Obrero Coffee and support a missionary like Camila.
so Nate, what is your Vistazo? Yes, my Vistazo is a new campaign that we've just launched officially uh, called Pedal to Plant. And it is a cross-country bike tour um, with the vision of raising awareness, friends, and funds for Extreme Nazarene Missions. So our goal, uh, beginning next Memorial Day 2017, is to pedal from Astoria, Oregon to Yorktown, Virginia, which is approximately 4,300 miles um, in about three months. And the goal is to raise uh, $600,000, which will be the amount necessary to plant all our churches in 2018. So trying to get ourselves ahead of the curve a little bit. Uh, We'll have three um, types of riders to help us raise funds. We'll have what's called full riders, and they're obviously going to do the full trip, uh, the full 4,300 miles. And we'll have what's called leg riders. There are 12 different legs um, across the country, um, averaging around three to 400 miles um, per leg. Uh, so people that can ride a, a, a section of it, whether it's a leg or ride for a day or two or across their state or whatever uh, suits their fancy. And we'll also have what's called shadow riders. And those are individuals who don't have time maybe to take off, but they love to ride and they love to ride for a cause. And so they'll ride from home, commuting to work, riding on the weekend, um, during that kind of three-month stretch and logging uh, as many miles as they can. And each of those riders, each of those types of riders, uh, will be finding people to sponsor them per mile. And uh, so that's the that's the big picture vision of Pedal to Plant. I'm pretty excited about it. Kaylin's been a huge help um, getting that going, the website, Facebook, and we're kind of blitzing that out there so it's it's pretty exciting and, and slightly overwhelming so yeah here we go. <laughs> so that's, uh, <laughs> Nate, where did you come up with this idea that's a great yeah. question so i'm trying i always try to remember the genesis of things i'm an ideator it's my number two strength and i remember this is one of the first things that rolled through my mind when i first started with extreme <laughs> rolled <laughs> see what you did there <laughs> But I was thinking of different things that were would be catchy or ways to raise funds, and and I it must have been in my mind because my dad is a writer, and so he's written for about ten years, and he's always wanted to write across the country. But we didn't come up with it like sitting in the room together. So I remember coming up with it and then running it by him, and then he began to really get excited about it because the the idea of writing across country was always appealing to him. But it really didn't hit home until it was about something bigger than just himself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there are a lot of people, uh, most people, I think, want to be a part of a cause that is bigger than who they are, right? And and, and a lot of people don't want to just do something to do it. They want it to really make a difference. And and so he has totally full on ran into this. And just the season of life he's in, he's not retired, but he's worked really hard um, at his at his office to have a gal that he's raised up to run the office while he's gone for those three months. Um, so that's in place. He, physically, he's in place. Um, and he and my mom actually just sold their house, and they're in a rental for this season. They don't have any yard work. So it's been cool to see how he's just really, in some ways intentionally, but also just like the way life has happened, uh, it's set him up to really be able to focus on this. And so he... His goal is to raise, I think it's like 23 bucks a mile. So his goal is to raise $96,000, which is what we have for one full church plant. So through his funds that he raises um, with with individual sponsors and and working also with his church, um, that's his goal. And and he's he's a pretty significant go-getter. So I'm excited. And now, you know, I think it provided hope for... um, the fact that there could be other people that feel the same way, you know, and, and this is one of those where we haven't really talked a ton about it, but everywhere you talk about it, it, the momentum just grows, you know, super exciting. So if you are out there and you're interested in being one of our riders uh, or helping with support of the trip, anywhere from helping with meals, uh, driving your RV across the country as a support vehicle, um, hosting riders in your home along the route or connecting us with your church, We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at pedaltoplant at extremenazarene.org or you can go to our website, which is pedaltoplant.org. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for Pedal to Plant too. Yeah, so uh, in this month's podcast, I wanted to share specifically about the fact that Mantha is doing their first encounter. 
Um, yay. So, yay. Manta is uh, the city that has dealt with some crazy stuff over these past few months. Um, they had an earthquake. Um, and then a few more. And then a couple more. Um, some yeah. buildings fell down and, and some people died and people are without homes. And so it's a pretty dire situation that this team walked into. Um, and this happened like a month before they were supposed to move there. So it's that has been insane. We could really do a whole podcast on just those stories alone. Um, but what's so amazing is that um, this, this team, they did have opportunities to go in ahead of time before they were scheduled to move to Manta. Um, and they got to meet a lot of the people there. And in doing that, they had a lot of people saying, we want you to come back and plant the church here, here mm-hmm. in this community. We want you here. And um, I don't know if we've ever had a community where we've gone to go plant a church. And before we even start doing the right. church plant, people are like, we, we yeah. want you here. Come here. Come, come. It's That's amazing. incredible. Incredible. So um, the Lord is... Um, is inciting a lot of hunger mm. in these people. And they have um, 12 leaders who are who said that they're going to go. And in South America, um, it doesn't always mean that all those people are going to be right. there. So we're praying that those 12 leaders are all going to be in this first encounter. And for those of you who don't know what an encounter is, uh, it is basically a spiritual retreat where they do intensive discipleship over a weekend. It's just, it's 100% focused on um, these different themes. They talk about forgiveness. Um, they talk about um, what it means to be a disciple. Uh, they teach them how to worship, how to pray. Um, they teach them about sexuality. They really cover a lot of, of these areas. Um, and it, it really is just like a very intense discipleship. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So that is happening in Manta this weekend, actually. By the time that this podcast actually comes out, uh, the first encounter will probably have already finished. But we want to invite you to be praying for these 12 leaders who are going through this encounter because this is actually their first step into um, this serious relationship that they are committing to with Christ. Um, so it's, yeah. it's actually it's super exciting. It's, it's so exciting. Yeah. The encounter is a huge first step in the life of a church plant. And so it is so exciting to know that they get to take this step. And it, it feels like building momentum for these yeah. these people. So mm-hmm. um, you mentioned, Trevor, at the beginning how you and I worked together in Ecuador to mm-hmm. mobilize Ecuadorian missionaries. And that was in 2012 and 2013. Do you remember what teams? There were three teams we were finding 4040s for. Do you remember what they were? <laughs> Um, Ambato, Ibarra, and Manta. And Manta. Uh-huh. In 2013. Yeah. So it's 2016. And it's like, what happened? Yeah. And I remember you and I working so hard to mm-hmm. find 4040s yeah. from Ecuador who had the call and who were willing to leave everything behind mm-hmm. to follow that call and mm-hmm. then raise their funds and move and do all of that. And it was so hard. And we both were probably asking, I know I was, God, where are they? Why can't yeah. we find 4040s for this Manta team? Yeah. And then the earthquake happened. And then mm, in 2016, yeah. this earthquake happens. And so during training, they take a break from everything and take truckloads of, of stuff, of mm. non-perishable items and hygiene items and all of these things to benefit that community where God called them to minister. Yeah. And what did that do for them? It launched them into yeah. their ministry that they have now. And that team has more forward momentum than any church plant team we've ever had with Extreme. Mm-hmm. And it just leaves me thinking, yeah, okay, that was my timing back then in 2013 when I was doing everything I could to find those 4040s. Yeah. And the doors would not open for some reason. And yeah. we didn't understand why. And yeah. we had no idea. Mm-hmm. But God was doing something so much better. And look how it's unfolded in this beautiful right. story right. of this church. And God was planting all of those seeds so that people could come to him in the right time. I think yeah. it's just so cool that 
that God orchestrated it in a way that was so much better than what I could have imagined back then when we were working towards that goal. So I'm so excited for the Monta Church Plant team because it's been a dream in the making for a long time. Yes, it has. So this week I had a chance to sit down and talk with Lane Freeman. He's a 40-40 from the Antofagasta team. And these past few months, he has been having um, some pretty crazy experiences hearing the Lord. Um, And if you're interested in the supernatural at all, uh, and the way that God speaks to us, then stay tuned because Lane has a really incredible story that you're going to want to hear. So uh, the last time that we talked, uh, you had been telling me about all this stuff that has been going on there in your city. And uh, you have some pretty crazy stories. So um, I kind of want you to start out with with um, how it all began. Like, what what is going on in Antofagasta with you? Revival. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of hard just to jump into the stories. Uh, I think if you look around enough, you'll find that there's people that, that claim that God gives them specific places or specific people that he wants them to go and talk to, and he sends them with a word or, or something. And that's kind of what started happening. Uh, there was a time earlier that I was searching for that. I was asking God for it, and, and for whatever reason, it didn't come. And so I kind of stopped um, without finding the people su- successfully that I was looking for. And... Uh, one day I was in the kitchen, I finished my quiet time with the Lord and I was about to leave and I just got like uh, the image or, or word, I guess, park and red shirt. And so I was like, all right, you know, I guess I'm going to a park today and there's going to be someone there with a red shirt and so I'm going to talk to him. And this was a lot different than the other times because I hadn't even asked for it. It just popped into my mind. <laughs> and so I went there, or I had a park in mind, so I started walking up there. And um, there was a lady on the corner in a plaid red and black shirt. And I got all excited. I was like, oh, no way. That's so crazy. I'm going to go talk to her. And then she got in a taxi and she sped off. So I was like, oh, that's a bummer. (laughs) It's like the first time I find someone and they speed off. Um, But then I just got a feeling like I needed to go down this side street. And as I got about halfway there, I saw and kind of remembered that there was another park there. So I was like, oh, well, that's strange. It's like, I thought she already left. Why am I going to another park? So I get to the park, and on the corner, there's a store. And I feel like God's like, go go buy something from that store. Hmm. It's towards the end of the month. I don't have a ton of money. I'm not exactly <laughs> thrilled about going to the store to buy something. But I'm like, all right, Lord, I don't really understand why you're making me do this, or, or having me do it, better said. Like, but I'll go and do it. And so I walk in there. I get some cookies. And when the lady stands up, to take my money and, and give me the cookies. She's wearing a red shirt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I um, spoke in English. I was like, no way. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I was like, you know, before I before I leave, I just have to tell you that God loves you so much. And she was like really shocked. And I was like, but I'm not done. <laughs> God sent me specifically here today to talk to someone in a red shirt. You're wearing a red shirt. <laughs> and so I just want to tell you, like, God loves you so much. And she's just, like, taken back by that. Um, yeah. She was almost in tears when I left. It was just, that, that's kind of how it started. And then from there, it just didn't really stop. <laughs> yeah. That is so crazy. Like, what what have been your thoughts about um, this way that the Lord has been speaking to you? And has it ever crossed your mind, like, well, it's just coincidence I think in the beginning when I wasn't seeing the people that like I was being told, I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm just crazy. Like, maybe I need to see someone. <laughs> uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe something's wrong with my brain. Um, <clears throat> but then, when, when, for instance, once that story or, or that experience happened, it was like, oh, that was crazy. But that was definitely the Lord because I could have just stopped at that one person in a red shirt uh, on the corner and been like, oh, well. Here it goes again. I must just be hearing things. What a coincidence that that person was there. But then it, the leading continued exactly to the store, to the exact location where the woman was. Yeah. And then there's other stories like that where um, God's like, go to this place and there will be, you need to look for this. And I'll look up from reading the Bible in a park in the south of the city and there's the guy in the tan jacket. Um, 
And, and so it's just like, whoa, that, that can't be coincidence. Yeah. I could obviously go around and look for everyone in a red shirt and be like, Hey, I just feel like, but, but that's not as specific as God was making it. Yeah. So I'd say in the beginning it can be easy. And I think Satan tries that and tries to make you think, Oh, it's just coincidence. Why do you keep doing this? But then you keep doing it and being faithful and you see how wrecked people get because God's pursuing them mm-hmm. and you just can't stop. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you're saying that you are, are hearing the voice of the Lord, um, as you're going, uh, out and, and, uh, ministering to people. What is, what exactly does that voice look like or how does it appear or what does it sound like? Yeah, I would, I would say that there's a number of different ways that the Lord speaks to people, um, speaks to his sons and daughters. Uh, one of them, obviously, is the Word of God. But for these specific instances, a lot of it has been words or images. Um, for instance, Park, is, it was almost like it was in um, a PowerPoint. I don't know. It's the, the word Park is written in Spanish, not in English, but uh-huh. it, it came to mind. And then after that was a picture of a red shirt. Um and so then that's that's how I knew where I was supposed to go and, and what I was who I was looking for specifically. Yeah. And I'd say that's been a lot of the experience with going to certain places is it's more um more just words, not necessarily the audible voice of God, but words and images. I, I would say, you yeah. know, I, I, I have the same experiences and I would say um that I probably had been hearing the Lord before. Um, I even really knew that I was hearing the Lord. Um, mm. would, would you say that's true for yourself too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say that that's true. Um, <laughs> and a lot of times like, I didn't really do anything with it. I was like, that's a weird thought. <laughs> what, yeah. what am right. I supposed to do with that? Right. So, that person's leg hurts. That's, well, that's too bad. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> like, I wonder why I thought that. <clears throat> yeah. But now just coming into a greater understanding of who God is and and what he wants to do and show people how important they really are to him. Because a lot of people are still, we kind of talked yesterday about how often we use the phrase Jesus loves to mm. um, and how that's kind of taken some of the value, not necessarily the value, but the um, genuineness of it away from when we talk to people and, and yeah. say that to them. Yeah. And I think the same thing goes for when we say, no, but God really cares about you. It's yeah. like, so now he's like, all right, well, my, my children that are lost or even my children that aren't, they're not really believing that I truly care about them. So how can I show them? Well, I'll send Trevor or I'll send Lane or I'll send whoever's willing and I'll tell them what's going on in their life so that they know I know and then I'll deliver them from it. <laughs> yeah. And that's just so intentional. And so um, I, I like to call it or think of it as a, the radical pursuit, the radical way that God pursues his children. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what what is one of those stories that you've been seeing of of that radical <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. That radical pursuit of um God after after somebody there in Antho. Yeah, well one day I just kinda of woke up with a feeling, I guess I could say more than anything, that I needed to go get on a bus and travel almost an hour to a place where we used to have a Bible study. I, I thought, well, maybe since the guy sold the store that was, was also his home, maybe I'm supposed to go talk to the people that are there. I was trying to figure it out because, you know, I like to know things. So I was just trying to figure it out with my own mind what it might be. Um, but I get on the bus and I start talking to the guy that sit down, that sat down next to me. And we just start talking about the Lord and he doesn't really know anything about the Lord, which for me kind of blows my mind. It's like we're not in a, one of the long lost regions of the world and, right. and this guy still doesn't know about the Lord. Yeah. And so I started sharing with him and, and through the conversation, he ends up accepting Christ right there on the bus. And then his next question to me after that was like, what are you even doing on this bus? Like, where are you going? Because he was going to work up in the north. And I was like, man, honestly... I think you're the only reason I'm on this bus. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm on this bus. The only, I just knew that God told me to go to the north of the city, and that's what I was doing, and here you are. Like that, that was the divine appointment that God had for me during that time. So, I mean, that was just radical pursuit, and the guy was so blown away that God would send someone just to talk to him in that specific moment on that specific day. If I would have waited five more minutes, I would have missed the bus. Like It's just so exact and so precise that, 
you can't chalk it up to just consequence, uh, coincidence yeah. that, that we're having these conversations with people. Yeah, absolutely. The, the whole reason why we were talking about the, the phrase, Jesus loves you yesterday was, um, and, uh, how we have turned it into almost, I mean, really almost a cliche where <laughs> it's on bumper stickers and it's on, um, like on keychain lanyards and, and it's, it's everywhere. Jesus loves you. It's, it's a message that's been heard so many times that it can tend to lose its, its weight. Um, but <laughs> when, when you're able to share, like when you're able to be a part of somebody's story like this, like, like this guy, this guy that you got on, um, you, you met on this bus, um, and you told him about, you know, like, I'm not on this bus for any other reason but you, because God led me to you, like, mm-hmm. that in and of itself, <laughs> that says Jesus loves you. And it says mm-hmm. it way more stronger than any mm-hmm. words that we could say. Like, the experience that he had through that encounter, that's really what that was, was mm-hmm. an encounter. Um, man, encounters totally beat um just verbal expressions yeah when they get to see it for themselves Mm -hmm. that's really cool yeah no that 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 is really cool and i think i mean humans we always have this phrase actions speak louder than words Mm -hmm. and so like i guess the challenge is for for everyone that's listening is i want you to reflect on what god's done in your life Like, what has he done? He's shown yeah. you that he's loved you. Like, he sent his son to die for you. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, that was 2,000 years ago. It's like, all right, for instance, Patricio, this guy that I met on the bus, um, God was radically pursuing him. And he's still there waiting for us, even when we decide, you know, you know I'm going to go do this instead of, of spending time with the Lord. I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to walk away from the church because there's too many problems. Yeah. Um, and I think God isn't asking us to shy away from from the problems or from because when you have these encounters, it's it's not all, oh, the guy came to Christ. Not all of the experiences are like that. The guy that I mentioned earlier in the tan jacket, he told me to get lost. He didn't want to hear about God's love for him. And, and yeah, that's that's sad because they don't get to have that radical encounter with God. They don't get to have that relationship, but it's not by God's doing. Yeah. Like his doing was to send me or to send someone to tell you about the love that God has for you. And, and we have the choice to make whether we're going to accept that and pursue him or we're going to reject it and walk away. Yeah, totally. So yeah, totally. Rejection is, is definitely a part of, um, basically the, the, the life of a missionary rejection Mm -hmm. is, is pretty common. Um, and I think you were telling me about a story where you went to go talk to some guy at a beach and he really wasn't too excited about talking with you, but then it led to yeah. something at the mall. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I felt led to go down to this beach down by the Walmart here. Um, and I talked to the guy for a long time, but he, he wasn't really super interested. He wasn't, he's like, yeah, you know, I know the Lord would, which really, I don't, I don't know that after you have a true encounter with him that you can just be so nonchalant about getting to know Jesus. Mm. Um, but anyways, the, the guy just, he wasn't super interested, but after that, um, I felt like I needed to go to the mall. And so I started walking to the mall, which wasn't that far, it was probably like a mile away. And on the way, some guy tried to sell me band-aids because they do that for work here. If you can't um, have like a stable job, you'll just sell things trying to make money to get by. And I told the guy no, but for some reason I took out my headphones and started talking to the guy and his wife who was there with him. And so we ended up talking about the Lord and and we talked for oh, an hour or so, went down, it, we went into the mall, they went to the, one of them went to the bathroom while I talked to the other and then vice versa. So, I mean, we just invested, there's just a lot of time um, spent together just talking about the Lord. They invited me to their house. Um, we hadn't really set a date to go to the house, but I think it was, yeah, about three days later, I got a phone call, um, probably close to like 10 o'clock, and um, she was frantic on the phone. It was the wife that had called me, 
and she the night before had found a dead body in it um at the beach <laughs> and so yeah I, I mean i'm just kind of blown away by the fact that like god knew what was going to happen and, and he placed me there not to be like her salvation or anything else like that but so that i could be that voice of comfort that he could use me to speak comfort mm-hmm. and life into them when when all they're seeing is death literally yeah um, find death you see she they live in a part that's pretty dangerous um so anyway, she invited us to our house. The pastor and I went up there, and and it's a place where you can just feel the spiritual oppression when you cross. They live above a graveyard, if that tells you anything. Um, but you get, I don't know, there's like some boundary, and you can just feel the spiritual oppression that's taking place. There's people doing drugs on the corner. We walk into the shared um, living space that they had. And there was some like voodoo dolls or some sort of dolls up on the wall, some sage, just some really dark things. Um, and so anyways, we make our way up to their actual room and we just get to talk to them. She just pours out her heart about how traumatized she is. I mean, she mm-hmm. found a dead body. <laughs> That's pretty traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And, and so from multiple different topics of conversation, um, we were just able to speak life in, into both of their lives and talk about the Lord and the promises that he has for them. And they ended up coming to the Lord and accepting Christ um, in, in that place where they were at. And so that's just something that, that God used something that was so dark um, and he used it for something that is good because now they can be the light to all the people that are in that area. Yeah. And he, he also restores and heals those parts that are broken or those traumatizing events mm-hmm. that happen in our life. He, he doesn't keep us in them. He, he heals them. <laughs> he uses it for his glory. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like what you said there about them now being able to be the light there in that, that dark place where they're at. Um, that is the very sentiment of our, of our tagline in Extreme Change Hearts Change the World. We really do believe that when hearts become changed, when hearts come into a direct encounter with the Lord and, and they really truly become changed, then that change um, <laughs> goes on to change others. And I'm, I'm reminded just now of um, there's a verse in Revelation that talks about the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's so powerful. Um, and I don't, you know... I don't know if we really put a whole lot of um, enough emphasis on on testimonies. Like there's a lot of power in somebody getting up and sharing their testimony and how God has changed their life. So um, do you feel like you would feel the same way about Antofagasta now if it hadn't been for um, the season of baby, basically like a, a dry season in your ministry? Do you think you would feel as passionately about the ministry in Antofagasta now? No. Uh, no, uh, no, not at all. I, I thought through that season, I thought a lot of what um, God might have been teaching us or, or what I received from that dry season of um, having very few people in, in church, for instance, wasn't that that God was upset or that he was punishing us or whatever, but that um, he was trying to teach us the importance of a single soul and in his eyes how important and how valuable one person is um and so now looking at it like I, I can't help but be overwhelmed because not only that but then after that when he kicked off the the ministry here the fruitful ministry here mm-hmm. um it started with me going and looking for one person mm-hmm. every time one person i'll go and talk to one person and then they just get a deep revelation of god's love and so then out out of that just knowing how much god loves me is like, man, that's how much God loves every single one of these people. Mm. And we went through such a hard time and, and like people rejecting us, just not caring. And so now to have people that are willing to listen, it's like, man, I, I just got to tell you. It's like, you just got to know so, so that you can walk in this right relationship. And without the time of rejection, I think that was a time where we just got to um, be filled with more of him. Mm. So now I, there's an abundance of his love. We get to understand, okay, this is what it should actually look like. Or, or um, because of everything that we've went through and all the battles that we've fought spiritually, the spiritual warfare, which I think anyone that's been on the mission field knows a little bit about, mm-hmm. um, 
that's something that you have to fight. And once you get into that fight, you don't want to, you don't want to just leave and be like, oh, you know, that was really hard. Um, so that was fun. I'm done. You know, yeah. no, you, you get to a point now where it's like, okay, we, we had breakthrough. We breached the enemy's wall or his fortress here in Augusta, but it's not over yet. <laughs> you know, we, we haven't, uh, we haven't accomplished all that, um, I feel that God wants us to accomplish it. We're just in the beginning. So, so the news, the great news that everyone's hearing out of Antofagasta, for me, it's just the beginning of the promises of God. It's not even the full com completion of what he has for us here. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So you really only got to listen just now to a portion of Lane's interview. Um, we talked for quite a bit of time and if you would like to hear the whole interview, we're going to have that available on our feed as well. Um, so just look for full interview with Lane on our podcast on iTunes. So what about you guys? What did you think of the interview? What stood out to you guys? There was two things I think that stood out the most. The first was when he was talking about um, the, his encounter with the, the, the young man or a man at the park. And and he said, the guy said to him, I know the Lord. And then Lane's, Lane's response to that, um, to you, is he said, I don't know if after you have an encounter with the Lord, you can be so nonchalant about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, I mean, living in a post-Christian or becoming post-Christian United States with a lot of people who go to church, say they go to church, uh, average attendance is like two Sundays a month, those kinds of things. I feel like that is a, a posture and an attitude about Christianity and matters of faith that is pretty prevalent in our society, in our Christian culture. Um, and I love that he addressed that. And in his story, and in I think a lot of stories that we will hear from the field, is you, you hear from individuals who have had a radical encounter with the Lord and their life is totally different. And I think for our listeners, I, I want that to resonate as like a challenge, you know. And I think when I heard that, it's like, man, does my life represent something that's different because I have had an encounter right. with the living Christ, right? And, and it's an encounter that continues. You know, that's new every morning, and so it's constantly changing my life. Therefore, I want to testify about it, like, every day. And so and you hear... You know, you hear from a guy like Lane, and that's his world, right? And we can say, oh, because he's a missionary, it's what he's supposed to do. Man, well, that's what we're, we're called to do always, mm -hmm. right? And so hopefully, and when Lane comes back to the States, and we see this with so many of our missionaries, almost 60% come or, or are significantly plugged into their church or involved in some full-time ministry because their lives have been totally radically transformed. Mm -hmm. And I hate that that has to happen in a different context. And so what can we do? Um, to revive people here. So that that really stuck out. And the second one was God still speaks, you know. And mm -hmm. when and he was talking about um, visions and dreams, I mean, it's Acts 2.17, you know, where Peter is quoting from Joel, right, where it's um, sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And, and I think we, you know, that comes from Joel, Old Testament, you know. And so yeah. the Spirit of Christ has been, present since creation right speaking things into existence and you I, I thought you guys talked about that so well um, in ways that are relevant um, in this context and the acts it talks about in the last days which was spoken you know 2,000 years ago in the first century were the last days right so I, I don't think we should get too carried away in terms of well that's you know when the you know in this eschatological right conversation about end times, I, I don't think that I think we can easily wish things away, yeah. That way, but instead of saying, no, even today, God yeah. is the Spirit of Christ, the Living Christ is showing up, and we hear about it over in Germany from mm -hmm. Muslims who are having visions about Jesus who they've never met, and yeah. then they hear about him in church. I mean, it's crazy. So, I love those kinds of things in that. I think. Our missionary sharing that brings it one step closer, at least to our world and for our listeners. Um, but then for us to really think about and pray about what words and visions and things God has for us uh, and how we can testify to what God is doing in our lives. So God still speaks. And, and I think when we have uh, radical encounters, our life will be different and we won't just be 
mm-hmm. saying, I know the Lord, but we'll be testifying to how we know the Lord right. is making a difference in right. our lives and what he's doing. I just dropped the mic for uh, our listeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that you said reminded me of a, a quote that my buddy just read me last night. Uh, you were talking about like how uh, you said some people might be thinking, well, you know, Lane's a, a missionary, and so he's he's got that backing him up. That's his right. identity. But um, Charles Spurgeon, who's kind of a strong-spoken man anyway, mm-hmm. he said, uh, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he dropped the mic, too. He also dropped the mic. Right. Yeah. I mean, mission is sent. We're a sent people. Right. You know, go to all nations, you know. Right. You know, baptizing them and teaching them all the things I've commanded you. I mean, we are a sent people, and that's not just those who are sent overseas. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It, obviously, this has impacted Lane. It's impacted his faith. It has. It's helping him to be stronger. This actually hearing from God and seeing God in action in these people's lives. But for the people, obviously, not everybody is receiving what he's saying. There is that rejection that's happening too. But. When you look at it as God's grace working and pursuing, um, Nate is much more of a theologian than I am, but that's prevenient grace. That's the grace that goes before us. (laughs) It's preparing their hearts, you know? Like, Mm, you hear this woman in the red shirt in the store. She was ready. God has probably been planting those seeds in her life already, and Lane was just one more of those seeds. God's grace is out there pursuing, and so even the man in the tan jacket who rejected him, Lane was one more seed on his mission that God isn't done pursuing him just because it didn't work out when Lane wanted to talk to him. And Lane's identity is so wrapped up in Christ Mm -hmm. that when someone rejects him, it's not, he recognizes (laughs) it's not about him. Like, as Americans, I mean, the consumeristic, individualistic culture of the U.S. doesn't bode well for followers of Christ, right? Mm. And it doesn't help us in our yeah. interaction with people and our, and our understanding of how we are to be as uh, sent people. Um, and so you see it in, in the way he postures himself, that those he's, obedience is all he cares about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he knows, like, this is not about me. This is about radical obedience to what Christ is doing in my life. And so yeah. therefore, regardless of how they respond, that I, I don't have number one, I don't have control over that. And right. number two, it has no bearing on what I do. Yeah. And I think that's something that we have a harder time in this context because typically culture bids us to wrap our identity around everything except for Christ. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. As you were talking about Lane saying that if you've had an encounter with Christ, you can't be nonchalant about it. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of a blog post I read a long time ago now of a young woman who's a missionary in Africa and has adopted many girls um, as (laughs) their mom. Yeah, Kisses for Katie (laughs) from Katie. She wrote a book about it. She wrote about how her her daughter asked, Mom, if I ask Jesus into my heart to live, will will it explode? Which (laughs) I love that question so much. And she's like, no, baby, your heart's not going to explode. It's going to be okay. But then she wrote in her blog, actually, you will explode. You will explode with joy. You will explode with freedom. You will explode (laughs) with this love. You will explode. And I think that's what Nate's, what you're talking about, what Lane is talking about, that when we encounter the living God and he does this work in our lives and pursues us and we respond, we can't help but explode. Um, a couple months ago, I was just totally blown away by the idea that I, that we are the dwelling place of the spirit of Christ. Like God lives inside of us. Um, and it's like, how are our, our bodies not exploding into flames, but physically they may not, but spiritually they are spiritually. They are exploding into flames. Um, yeah, that's really cool. And that, and that comes with like coming into the recognition i think that's where it where it really makes a change is when we come into that recognition because then we align our minds our minds become renewed and aligned with the kingdom um yeah and then we can live in that truth before that we're not living in that truth so 
Um, I was really struck by, and I talked about it in the podcast, or I talked about it in the interview, um, how a word that I, I gave Lane um, and, and just didn't even think anything about it um, has turned out to be something that has, after he had a pivotal, pivotal moment in his ministry, has served us so much encouragement now. Um, and so I'm just, I've really been um, uh, struck with passion to encourage our missionaries. And, um, and it's really a temptation here in the office to begin to think that uh, our work isn't as important as the missionaries on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, we're so far from them. We don't see everything that they're doing. Um, my work looks a lot like um, designing on, on the computer or writing articles or organizing things. Um, and so I, I, I don't see the people's faces that are being um, directly impacted like the missionaries do. And so um, to realize that we actually can make an, a, a huge impact on the mission field through um, encouragement um, by listening to God's voice and sharing those things with our missionaries. Wow. Like, yeah. it's huge. Right. Um, and it's like talking about that whole thing, too, where words really do create. Like, they, they create. So um, uh, when we're sharing these things with our missionaries, it's not just... Um, encouraging them and building them up, but it's also like creating something. It's creating um, uh, a, a, a possibility for them to enter into. Right. Um, it's just incredible to think about how God has constructed his kingdom. Yeah. We in this office, this lovely studio that I mentioned earlier <laughs> where we pray, we have all of the pictures of extreme missionaries on the wall. But even if you're listening at home and you don't, no, you can't picture any of the missionaries. Mm-hmm. I still encourage you to go pray for them. Go to the extremenazarene.org website and look at our team and choose two people to pray for mm-hmm. who just need that encouragement, need that touch from God. You can be part of that change that yeah. Trevor's talking about. Yeah. We don't have to be disconnected from the mission field right. because our prayers matter mm-hmm. and our prayers plant seeds. And yeah, that, that really does matter. So even if you're not familiar with most of the extreme missionaries go look at a picture and say a prayer for somebody Mm -hmm. and god can use that yeah prior to this conversation with lane and during this conversation with lane um it just it's it's even more um solidified to me the idea that everybody hears the voice of god um and they may just not know it Mm. um it's interesting because in um, in gifting such as preaching, or um, or teaching, or discipleship, these things that uh, like some some of these are listed in the Bible as gifts. Um, we send people to college for them, or we say you know you, you, you got to learn how to do this, um, but we never really emphasize so much learning how to recognize God's voice, mm. which I think is really interesting. And I think that Lane is really tapping into really the secret of um, learning to recognize his voice, which is when you hear something, you go and test it. Um, and and you learn from the results. Like if, if what you heard didn't turn out, then, you know, that, okay, that probably wasn't the voice of God. But then when it does turn out like, oh, okay, like I was hearing the voice of, of God. And what did that sound like? And, uh, and then you begin to learn. You, you begin to learn what the shepherd's voice sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's really cool. And, um, and Lane is learning that basically on his own. Like, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this was a really, I, I really enjoyed this interview. I really enjoyed um, hearing about the, the supernatural things happening in Antofagasta with Lane. Um, their team really has been through a lot, um, and they really did have a hard time seeing fruit. Um, they weren't seeing 
fruit yeah. for a long time. Chile is a hard place to minister. Hmm. My husband and I lived there earlier this year. Mike and I <laughs> lived there earlier this year. And we, you know, just in talking to people, it's a lot like Europe and what we hear about Europe being postmodern and post-Christian and people just aren't into going to church. It is very much like that in Chile. Mm. I've lived in both Santiago, the capital. I've lived in Arica, way up north, and then Antofagasta. And so being there, you see that people are pretty closed off to the gospel. People aren't even going to Catholic churches, even if they consider themselves Catholic. Wow. So it's... It's something that really is a struggle, but at the same time, you can tell that there is a spirit of, of something new happening. Mm. When we were trying to find the Chilean missionaries to serve in Antofa, we felt that God was stirring up something, and there's a new generation of people rising mm. up to go and respond to God's call, yeah. and that's and then we're seeing now the result of it is that this fruit of wow it took a while it's been really really challenging and yeah. it's a hard place to live and work but look what god is doing yeah. he is responding to our prayers he is responding to all those prayers that have been prayed for decades they've been trying to prepare the way for this church plant for quite a while and it just didn't happen on our human timeline yeah and so i'm sure that everyone involved in this missionary team would have loved to see results the first week in antofa yeah we would have loved that uh-huh. but that's not what happened because that wasn't god's timeline right that was our human timeline yeah and now we're seeing god is still faithful and he's still opening people's eyes to his love mm-hmm. and that's what lane's story is all about and yeah. it's so it's so beautiful that yeah. it really is just telling people and showing them that God loves you. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And I loved what Lane had to say about, um, you know, if this stuff had not happened, would he feel the same way about um, about the mission field? And yeah, like how, how could you feel the same if going in, you had all the results just plopped down right. into your lap? But now it's so much more important because he's he's fought for it mm-hmm. for so long him and his team they fought for this for so long so it means so much more now that they're seeing the fruit it's pretty beautiful yeah we want to spend a moment to pray for Antofagasta and what is happening there the move of the spirit that this team is beginning to see um, so Kaylin would you like to pray for this team sure let's pray Father God, we love you and praise you and thank you because as Trevor just said, you redeem, you make things new. When we see dry bones, you see <laughs> you see people that can raise up and bones that can be put back together and there's no such thing as dust that serves no purpose. When you breathe life into it, life happens and we're so thankful, God, for what you're doing in Antofagasta. We thank you for Lane's story and for this this testimony of you are still a God who speaks and you love people so much that you will pursue them. And all you ask for from us is obedience. Mm-hmm. Lord, we pray a special blessing over the Antofa team today that you would shower them with a... a a touch of your grace, your love, your encouragement, your spirit to give them power to not be afraid to speak to people they don't know that you send them to and to truly go wherever you send them and say yes every single morning to whatever you have for them for that day. Lord, we ask that you would encourage their hearts, that you would continue to heal them and to bind them together in unity. And Lord, lift up your church in Antofagasta. We believe in you and we trust you and we entrust that team to you and pray for them in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, if you would like to be praying with us for this team, you can go to extremenazarene.org slash team, and you can search on our website, um, the teams by city, and you can see all their faces and you could be praying for them. Um, and we invite you to pray for everybody in extreme as well. Um, if you want to, um, be a world changer, uh, from the States in partnering in prayer, 
um, for our for our missionaries. You can find all of our missionaries there at extremenazarene.org/team. Uh, so to close, just to recap on uh, two of our vistazos that we talked about today. Uh, the one being Obrero coffee. Any of you coffee drinkers out there, if you want to wake up in the morning and um, and be thinking about how you are supporting a missionary on the field, then I encourage you to um, to partner up with Obrero coffee and and buy that product. Um, you can find out how to do that on this podcast episode's page. Just go to extremenazarene.org slash podcast and click on this episode it is episode three, and you will find all your heart desires about Obrero Coffee on that page. <laughs> and then also we were talking about Pedal to Plant. If you are interested in partnering with Pedal to Plant, if you are a biker or if you know somebody who's an avid biker, or if you want to partner with us in your community, in your state on a smaller scale, if you can't do the full ride, um, then go to pedaltoplant.org. Um, and find out more information. It's an amazing thing to get involved with, and we are so excited about it. Well, that's it for today. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next month. So see you later. Bye. Peace out. Bye, guys.